Well, good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to see you guys, and it's so good just to spend some time singing, right? I hope you're encouraged this morning. I, I really was. I really enjoy hearing you guys sing out and being able to sing out with you. My name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and um, I'm just going to dive right in. Thank you, my lovely assistant, Isaac, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'm just going to dive right in because I, I have a tough question for us to wrestle with today. And it's not super comfortable, so I figured let's just dive right in and get to it because that's what we all like to do, right? Here's, here's the tough question. Are you ready? When was the last time that you were actually transparent with a small group of people? When was the last time you were actually honest? I mean, let's just wrestle with this for a minute, okay? Being honest is scary, right? Being honest about who we are and what's going on in our lives. Listen, I'm up here. I I stand on a stage. I, I tell you a lot about myself, but let's be honest. There's still stuff that I often just hold back, and I don't always like to be really, really honest. How about you? I wonder, when was the last time you, you were honest about your thoughts, about your home life, about stuff at work, about maybe even just the things that, that God's been putting on your heart? Okay, I know, I know several of you have already checked out because you're like, wow, this is just, this is just like way too deep already. And, and I'll give you 100% permission to completely check out for the next 25 minutes if you want. But I'm going to tell you there's a price tag to checking out, okay? Can I tell you what the price tag is? The price tag is, is simple, but it's costly. And here's what it is. You and I will never grow without people who know us and know the truth about us. And that's the price tag. Like if you decide right now to check, check out and go, okay, he's crazy, he's going too deep, too fast, I get it. But if you check out of this, here's what we're gonna sacrifice. We're gonna sacrifice the fact that we aren't gonna grow. We aren't gonna change. And we'll never, here, here's the reality, we'll never actually get to be fully what God intended you and I to be. And I, I just don't want that for me. And I don't want that for you either. So back to the super invasive question. When was the last time that you were actually transparent with a small group of people? And it's, it's incredibly important. It's an incredibly important question because of what goes on in our lives day in and day out. You see, here's what I know uh, about each one of us. We have a natural desire when it comes to being known, okay? But the desire gets twisted a little bit. We have this natural desire. It goes like this. We all want to be known for something. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Maybe you just want to be known for having good character. Maybe you just want to be known for being trustworthy. Maybe you want to be known for being successful, you know? Do you know what the number one thing teens say they want? Today, when they grow up, they want to be YouTube famous, 
right? It's, it's legit because everybody that they see, they see all these people being YouTube famous, whether it's Mr. Beast or, or the, um, what, what, what are the guys, who are the guys that do the tricks, the trick shots? What it, dude, see, I should know that. Those were my two boys yelling at me, yes. Dude, perfect. They're known for something. And the reality is, like, I want to be known for something. You want to be known for something. How many of you remember when you had high school yearbooks? Your senior year high school yearbook, right? Uh, Do they still do that, by the way? I I don't know. I don't know if they do. But I remember when, when... we had our high school yearbook, and you all vote on, like, who's most likely to be, you know, my favorite one is, like, who's most likely to end up in jail. Like, that's, that's always a lot of fun. Um, you, you know, you know who, who's going to vote for you for that? I did not get voted for that, by the way, just so you know. But I did get voted something, and I don't share this to brag at all. I actually share this to confess one of my own struggles. I got voted in my high school class most likely to be successful. And it's one of those things that has hung around with me because I want to be known for being successful. And in a lot of ways, that drives me in a way that's not healthy. You know that? Because we naturally want to be known for something. And whether you've thought about it or not, I'd venture to say that you want to be known for something, either your character, your family, your parenting, your work, success, whatever it may be. But the problem comes when we start to realize that we aren't quite living up to what we want to be known for. Like you look in the mirror and you go, I want to be known for this. And then you start to realize, I didn't, I'm not quite doing it. Have you ever felt that? See, the reality is we all have something, I'd like to call it gaps. We have gaps between what we want to be known for and who we actually are, don't we? We have gaps between what we want people to think about our character and what our character looks like day in and day out. We have gaps between what we want our kids to think of us and and how we actually conduct ourselves from time to time. There There are gaps for every single one of us. And I wonder, what do we do when we start to realize there are gaps? Well, if you're anything like me, I have a very particular way of handling this, and I I would guess that you are like me. When we realize that there are gaps and we aren't quite living up to what we do, we all start to pretend. You ever notice that? We all start to pretend. And the problem is, the moment we start pretending, we stop improving. The moment we start pretending, we start putting up, we do image management, right? You go on Facebook, you post, my marriage is perfect. Good for you. You're a blessing. (laughs) My kids are perfect. My job, everything is perfect. We do image management, don't we? We all do it. Because we want to be liked and accepted and we want to be known for things. But when you pretend... When, when your life is made up of image management and pretending, the problem is you stop changing because you stop being honest and you stop allowing God to work on you and you stop utilizing the tools like community and the Spirit of God to allow Him to begin to work on you and change you. 
The more we pretend and play the image game, the more we do image management, the less we actually grow and get better. And here's the good news today. Even if you're here and you're not sure about the church thing and you're not sure about Jesus and that stuff that we just sang about, this actually applies to you too. Because the more you pretend, the less you can have people who come alongside and actually help you. And the less you can actually grow. So hear me out on this. Because, and I'll take just a minute, okay? Hear me out. Pastors are honestly the worst at this. Do you want to know why? Because we have to be on our A game all the time. Do you know that? You'd say, well, you just work on Sundays. Okay, whatever. You know, we'll just let that go for a minute. But imagine you see me on a Thursday, right? You see me on a Thursday, and I'm out and about, and you see me yelling and screaming at my kids. What are you going to think come Sunday? Hmm? I mean, imagine you see my marriage is falling apart. Let me, let me just imagine with me a couple of things with 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 me for a minute, okay? Imagine I'm going to preach a marriage sermon. Here's what it is. Five steps to a better marriage. And I get up here and I start and I say, hey, by the way, I just want you to know, thankfully my wife has told me, hey, she's given me one more chance before she files for divorce. But now, let's talk about five steps to a better marriage. (laughs) Pastors are the worst. And when there are gaps in our lives, we, we feel like we have to pretend, What about kids? I mentioned kids. If I was going to preach a a, a parenting sermon, let's just say I was going to preach a sermon called Raising Godly Children, right? And then I start. So this week, I just want to let you know, don't worry, CPS was only called on us once. I was yelling so loudly, the neighbors heard it, but the kids are fine. There's no bruises that you can see. Now let's talk about raising godly children. You see what I'm saying? Pastors can be the worst at this too because sometimes when we don't measure up to what we want to be known for, we start to pretend. Pastors are no different than you. I'm no different than you unless, unless, and here's the key, unless I start to take an intentional step to stop pretending. And to start cultivating relationships where people are able to really know me and know the real me, warts and all, and I have them. Unless I'm able to choose to be honest, unless I'm able to invite people into my life and to get involved in other people's lives, I will keep pretending. So here's what I've learned See, we all want to be known for something, right? But what we really need is to be known by someones. That's what you and I need. And yes, I did say someones on purpose, not just someone. I realize you could sit there and say, well, my spouse knows me. Yeah, I know, I know. But you probably need some other people other than that. You need to be known by some wants. Here's the beautiful thing. The scripture backs all of this up, okay? It's almost as if God knew what he was doing, right? Isn't that incredible? It's almost as if God, God knew human nature. Maybe he did. Maybe, maybe he made us, you know, right? 
He knew us, and he knew what he was doing, and he told us a number of things, specifically some things I want to highlight in the New Testament that, are, that we would call like one another commands. There's these incredible commands in the New Testament that talk about how to do well as a follower of Christ. There's one of them in James chapter 5. It's kind of, it's kind of deep, but let me show it to you. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, it says this, therefore, confess your sins to each other. <laughs> That's fun, right? Confess your sins to each other. How many of us would raise our hands and go, yep, I want to do that. Let me just start confessing. No, don't, don't misunderstand this. I don't think he's saying you confess all of your sins to everyone. And especially if you look around in a room like this, it's like, I would never do that in a room like this. No, you're right. You shouldn't. This is why the church has to be intentional to create some pretend-free zones. This is usually not a pretend-free zone. Way too many people. We're sitting in rows. You're all looking at me, making me really nervous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is not a pretend free zone. But God does call us, and James, the, the pastor in Jerusalem, who, by the way, he was the half brother of Jesus, he knew inside and out what was going to help us. He calls us to confess our sins to one another. And I know it's hard and it's scary. I don't like to share my insider stuff with others, but I want you to notice what the rest of the verse says because in the rest of the verse, it tells us what happens when we do confess our sins one to another. Look at what it says. It says, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other words, when we confess our sins, when we're honest and we, we talk to somebody else, there can be growth, there can be healing, there can be restoration, all of the things that lead to peace in our lives. That will happen when we get real and honest with one another. That's the beauty of it. See, what he's saying is when you confess your sins to people who know you and care for you, not everybody, I'm not saying confess them to everybody, I'm saying confess them to people who know and care, and you know they know and care for you. When you confess your sins to someone who knows and cares for you, you will have people who pray for you, and then you can actually get better, you can actually be healed. That's the beauty of it. But see, we don't get better in the pretend zone. We actually only get better when we stop pretending. Not only that, in another section of the New Testament, Paul, a man who spent his life like living this very religious life, and then God broke him down and said, you need to change, and he did. Paul wrote to a church that was in Galatia, and he, he had a lot to say to them about the same idea with a little bit of different application. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, this is what it says. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, now if I just stopped there, most of us would probably say, if somebody's caught in a sin, well, let's just berate them and point fingers. No. Maybe you've experienced that before. I'm sure you have. But that's not what God calls his people to. He says, if anybody is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. See, if we find somebody struggling with sin, 
If we find somebody who's, who's struggling, we don't point the fingers and condemn. We come alongside and we help restore them. But it's impossible to do this when we aren't intentional about being honest and cultivating relationships that, where there is care and accountability and a willingness to give up of ourselves and listen and pay attention and be honest. I mean, think about it, okay? Just, just for a second. Just Let me give you a breather for a second. Right here, right now, I would venture that in this room, there are people who've come in and could be characterized as being caught in a sin. I don't say that to single anybody out. I just know the reality of life. Something's going on in your life, and you're just, you're, you're, you're finding yourself stuck. You don't want to stay there, but you're, you're repeating the same pattern over and over, and you're doing it over and over again. And here's the thing. As long as it continues to be a secretive sin struggle, you sit there, you wonder who else knows it, you think you're the only one, that cycle is never going to stop. But if we come to the place where we can be honest, and if we will build environments where people are caring and gentle and spiritual so that they can be restored, guess what? <laughs> There'll be growth. Now look at the next verse. I love this. Look at the rest of the section. It says this, carry each other's burdens. In other words, there are times something might be going on in your life that's so heavy, you need to share the load with somebody else. I have that. Man, can I just tell you, over the last three months, okay, I've been here almost three months, and let's go back another three months. I literally feel like I have been hit by a freight train. We have upended our family from everything we knew and everything that was normal and everything that was comfortable. And we've moved 1,200 miles across the country. We're, we've settled here. We've had every vehicle that we've owned break down. We, the, the house that we bought, we couldn't move into for a month past when they originally told. I mean, you, you name it, it kind of feels like it has happened. I guess we have our health, so, so there's that. So that's really good, <laughs> right? I need people in my corner. And thankfully, I've had people messaging me, coming alongside, checking on me, praying, being kind, supporting day after day. And without that, man, that burden could be crushing. I wonder if you feel like you're getting crushed. Who's helping you carry your burdens? Here's the neat thing. The text ends by saying this, and in this way, in other words, when we do this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love one another as you have been loved. You cannot love one another as you have been loved if you're not willing to come alongside and intentionally get in relationships and help carry a burden and let somebody carry your burden. That's the thing. See, we don't get better in the pretend zone so when we are struggling, who helps you carry your burdens? Whose burdens are you helping to carry? I wonder, do you have that? So what do we do, okay? In light of all of this, what do you do when you're caught in a sin and embarrassed? What do you do when you have burdens? Well, I'd like to be the first one who'd, who'd admit to you that sitting in a room like this, it's easy to pretend, it is. It's easy 
to just sit here and put on a face, and part of that is by design. But this is where we as a church have chosen to be intentional to create some pretend-free zones. We've chosen to do this. It's exactly what we do with our small groups. Like our small groups are designed to give you an opportunity to get to know each other and to be known by one another so that when you're struggling, somebody knows and is supporting you. And when, when there's a burden, somebody cares and is carrying it with you. And when, when there's needs, there are people coming alongside and helping to meet those things. But it's impossible to do that sitting in rows. We have to get in circles, face to face, get to know each other. Because circles are better than rows. So I want you to think with me. Think back to a time in your life where there were major changes and growth going on. Can you think of a time where some pretty major changes took place? Good, good changes, good growth, things that were going on. Maybe it was when you were first introduced to Jesus and you started seeing how your character would, would need to change and you started diving in and somebody came alongside you and, and you were growing, right? Maybe it was the time when you were wrestling with an addiction and you made a choice and what did you do? You got involved in a group. Maybe it was a group like AA or NA or CA or Al-Anon or al something like that. Maybe you got involved in one of those groups. What was the difference? I've had the privilege of being involved in uh, and being invited to come in and speak in and just be in a number of AA and NA groups. One of my neighbors he struggled with a drug addiction from the time he was 13 until he was 59, 46 years, right? That's a long time. After 46 years, he came to me and said, that's it, I'm done, I'm making a change. I started going with him to NA, NA meetings. I got to go, shortly before we moved here, I got to go to his three-year anniversary, hear his wife get up and share her story about how he had struggled with drugs her, their entire marriage, and to see her weep and cry, see his kids who had never seen him be anything but addicted to drugs, see them weep and cry, and I walked out of that room, and I was just moved. And you want to know why it happened? It happened because he showed up, he was honest about what he was struggling with, and other people said, you're not the only one. They were honest too. It changed everything. Maybe it's time. Maybe there was a time where you realized that you needed to make some major changes or you were going to wreck your life or wreck your marriage or wreck your family. What'd you do? You went and got a counselor. You talked to somebody. This is on purpose. Listen. The stories that I could share with you, there's a story of a couple named Brett and Jamie. Jamie walked into my office one day. I had met her once. She walked into my office in Kansas City and she said, I want you to go with me. I'm going to serve my husband divorce papers. I was sitting there like, come again? And I said, Jamie, I'm not going to go and do that with you. I barely know you. I've never even met your husband. And she started to tell me about how her husband had been, you know, a, a, a drunk for the entirety of their marriage. And I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I, I can't stop you from serving him those papers, but I'm not going to go with you. But I am going to sit right here, and I am going to pray, and I am confident that God will show up in some way. And she said, yeah, whatever. We've tried this for years. 
She drove home after we prayed. She drove home. She walked up to the door. Her husband met her at the door. His name's Brett. And he goes, hey, I don't know why, but I feel like you're getting ready to ask me for a divorce. So I want you to know, I'm moving out. I'm getting an apartment all on my own. I'm going to AA tonight. I am going to get sober. And if I can stay sober for six months, I'd like it if we could start working on our marriage. (laughs) Woo, you want to talk about the power of God. And you know what made a difference? He got in a group. They got in our small group. They started going through marriage counseling. And I mean, God just flipped a switch. But it started when they were known by someone's. And that's what you and I need. See, I am firmly convinced that that story is the same as my story, is the same as your story. And I am firmly convinced that every time you've grown, every time your character has grown, someone else was involved. Plain and simple. It's nothing new. So here's what I want to ask you to do, okay? I'm going to move quick here. I want to ask you to consider two steps. They're actually quite simple, okay? Two steps that you can take to leverage the truth that every time your character has grown, someone else is involved. And you can either leverage it for your good or you can ignore it and and face the consequences. It's a truth that we need. So here's the two steps, and then I'll explain them. Step number one, join a group of people moving together to become more like Jesus. Join a group, even if you're not sure about Jesus. I think you could acknowledge that Jesus would be a pretty awesome example to follow, even if you're not sure. So what if you got involved in a group of people moving together to become more like Jesus? That's step number one. Step number two, share with others And let others share with you. Like just start sharing your life. Sharing sharing financially, sharing physically, sharing emotionally, sharing spiritually, all of it. And let me show you why I call you to those two things. In the early church, okay, the early church set an example for us, okay? So that first one, join a group of people moving to become more like Jesus. That actually shows up all over throughout the book of Acts. I'm going to show it to you quickly. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, two things going on. There's about 5,000 Christians at this point. We know that from the first two chapters of the book of Acts, okay? So about 5,000 of them are meeting together in the temple courts. That's a large gathering. Now, we don't have 5,000 people here, but across Bridgewater, there's almost 3,000 people, Right? And you are not going to be able to eat together and share your life and confess your sins and do the one another's with 5,000 people, are you? So what else was happening? There's two things. Number one, they were meeting together. Number two, they broke into small groups and they went into almost like little home churches and met in their homes and they shared meals and they shared with each other. They joined a group of people who said, we want to become more like Jesus. That's what they did. So essentially... This is what I am calling you to. It's not the only verse where this shows up. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Look at this. All the believers were one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. 
So here they are, they're sharing, they're, they're caring for one another, they're taking care of one another, they're confessing their sins to each other, they're being honest, they're being real, and God started to move. Do you want to know what the interesting thing is? At the end of all of this passage, I won't show you the verse, but it's, I believe, verse 37, you can look it up for yourself, it says, and God added to their number daily those who were putting their faith in Christ. Why? Because the church was so contagious, because people were real. That's it. People were real. So I want to urge you, join a group of people who are moving together to become more like Jesus because community is essential. Second, share with others and let them share with you. Share with others and let them share with you. Now maybe you're like me. I don't mind sharing with others, but sometimes I struggle to let others share with me. I don't know about you, but that's probably more my pride, which I think God is interested in working on. Look at Acts chapter 4. In verse 33, it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So this is big group. The apostles are testifying. Things are going on. They're preaching, and God's changing lives. Then verse 34 that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, verse 35, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. (laughs) They were sharing. They were sharing. They were sharing spiritually, right? I mean, they were sharing financially. They were sharing in powerful ways, and God was changing lives. I have these friends, their names are Dan and Christina, and eight years ago, their marriage was on the rocks. Dan was a firefighter in Kansas City. Christina was a teacher in in Kansas City. I met them. They lived in the neighborhood. My wife and I were starting to get to know them, and we invited them uh, to church, but then we invited them into our small group, and they told us, they, they, they showed up, and Dan walked in, and he sat down, and he didn't hardly say anything, and about halfway through the group, he goes, okay, so when do we drink the Kool-Aid? You know, a reference to like, that's an old-timer reference to like Jim Jones, and you know, this is a weird religious gathering, and I, and I just, we just laughed with him and said, hey, no, nah, there's, there's, there's no Kool-Aid. The bottom line is we just really want to get to know you and care for you and want to invite you into caring for us. And they were skeptical for an entire year. But eventually they started opening up. Dan and Christina were days away from getting a divorce. He was this close. He confesses it himself. He was this close to having an affair. And then he came to group. And God changed everything. Do you know that Dan is now our small groups coordinator at the the ministry that I used to be involved in? God has changed their lives because people started sharing and they started sharing. They started being open. I think of a woman named Heather who we met years ago. It was kind of a, a random meeting. Um, I met her and I invited her to church, uh, her and her husband to our church. They came, they joined our small group. Things were going well, so it seemed, but shortly later, her, her husband, seriously, just out of the blue, abandoned her. She was in our group, 
We called her. She came over. We started pursuing her husband, trying to get him to repent and to make a change, but he didn't. He moved away. He took everything and moved away. She was left with nothing, and our small group rallied around her and took care of her, provided for her, loved on her. Today, Heather is living states away, but she is pouring her life into other women who have been abandoned. She could have very easily just been bitter and given up, but she didn't. Because people came around her and shared and supported. I think of what James says in James chapter 2. In talking about our faith and having real faith, he says, if one of you says to someone who's in need, that's the them here, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? That is us, church. We must create environments where people can share and have their needs met. So, let me wrap this up. If you're brand new to church, some of this might sound weird. We're calling you to share spiritually. That might be new. We're calling the church to share financially, to give of themselves. But we're also calling you church, okay? We're calling you to share with the lost, with people who don't yet know Jesus. Invite them in, get to know them, invest in them, and just let them check your life out. See if it's real. We're doing that because we believe that when we get into community, God changes lives. I referenced this verse earlier. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Here's what it says. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. See, they were in a community. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what will happen. I want to be a part of that. But I'm convinced that there's a level of spiritual maturity that you will never attain. You'll never reach without a small group. Because what we really know, need is not to be known for something, but instead to be known by someone's. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Sitting in front of you in the little chairs, okay, in the, in the chair backs, you will find a card. And somehow I don't know where my card went. My card is on the floor. I'm going to ask my son if he would bring that up to me. Nope, not that card. There you go. Thank you. There should be enough of these for everybody or every family. And you'll notice on here, there's three things. It says, I am a, or I am already in a small group and continuing to attend, attend my current small group. B, interested in information about small groups. Or C, there's a blank. And here's the thing. I realize you might have some other idea, but I want to hear it. And the reason I want to hear it is because if you have some kind of better idea than what we currently do, we want to know, okay? Because these things, we all need them. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite our small group leader, Dan Snyder, our small groups coordinator. He's our small groups champion to come up. And as he's doing that, I want to ask each one of you to join with me and fill this out. Hey, Dan, could you grab us a couple of pens? We're going to all fill this out together. So what you're going to do is you're going to put your name, okay? You're going to put your name at the top, and then you're going to mark the one that works for you. So, Dan, I'm going to fill mine out. You're our small groups coordinator. You can make sure I do this, okay? How's that do? How's that sound? 
Let me get you. Yeah, there you go. You want to turn that on? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Dan. Hi. Dan, I'm marking mine. And my wife and I are leading a small group. So we're already in a small group and we're continuing to attend our current small group. Uh, yeah. Excellent. How's that sound? Fantastic. All right. Which one are you marking, Dan? Um, already in a small group and continuing to attend my current small group. Dan, that's a nice voice you got going this morning. It's very deep. Thank you. Very raspy. Not enough coffee yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so once you have that done, you can go ahead and pass it to the, to the aisles. There, are, there should be little buckets, okay? Should be little buckets that you can pass uh, and we drop them in the buckets, okay? And those will get picked up. Now, we're not going to come after you if your answer is I'm not in one and I don't want it. We're not coming after you. I just want to ask you to consider what's going to be best for you, okay? So Dan is our brand new small groups champion, right? Woo-woo! Yes. I'm very, very excited for Dan. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm a father of four wonderful kids, Hayden, Avery, Landon, and Callum. Callum's downstairs. They're awesome, 15 all the way down to nine, so pray for me. Um, <laughs> uh, husband to my wife, Karen, for 17 years. Going on 17, I had to do the math beforehand. Um, Nicely done. A little bit about my testimony, I'll give you just a minute. I uh, grew up in an unsaved uh, family, um, but when I was a teenager, started attending a Presbyterian church, got yeah. saved. Uh, after college, or after um, high school, went into the uh, Air Force Reserves to pay for college. Went to Bible college, thanks to Karen. I was going to community college, I didn't like it. She goes, you should come to college with me. I'm like, okay. Wow, that's uh, quite the recruiting pitch. Yeah, that... <laughs> it wasn't hard sell, really. Uh, I graduated with a biblical studies and organizational, organizational leadership uh, degree and somehow ended up in law enforcement. So here I am using my degree. Uh, so I've been in corrections for 14 years now. Um, but if it wasn't for uh, several men in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Um, yeah. uh, a pastor and a coach, when I was a teenager, really pushed me into college and attending church. And then um, when I was in college, another pastor really pushed me into leadership um, and, and really got me involved with small groups, got me involved with uh, worship team and, and just nudging me on. If it wasn't for him and for them, then I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Praise God. So, yeah, so you had people who knew you and really invested and shared, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they, they, knew, they knew me and they, they saw something in me and they kind of just pushed me because I think yeah. left to myself, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Right yeah, now. absolutely. So what, what difference, can you just tell us for just one minute, what, what difference have you seen small groups make, whether it's in your life or in lives here at Bridgewater? Yeah, so I don't have one story. I have many stories because, you know, life is tough. We, we, we deal with so many things, and if we try to go our alone, uh, it, it's just, it gets lonely. Now, if there's anything that the lockdowns taught us, it's that life can stink when nobody's around. It's, you get very lonely. Um, you, you can almost feel a, set, a sense of depression, really. Yeah. And I've been through those times. And if, if it wasn't for the people in my lives being able to send just a text, hey, Guys, I'm struggling with this yeah. this week. Could you pray for me? And for me to just know that they're not saying, hey, I'm praying for you, yeah. I know they're praying for me. Yeah. It's not like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I know that they're going to stop what they're doing. They're going to pray for me because they're pouring into my lives, and I'm trying to pour into theirs. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cooperation. Yeah. You know, we're, we, we want to do life together. It's like, oh, 
You know, I think when I first started in small groups, they're like, oh, I got to go. And then it was, hey, I get to go. This yeah. is great. I really want to do this. I really want to pour into people. I want people to pour into me. Mm -hmm. And I really want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, awesome. So here's, here's why we're talking to you about this today and why Dan is here. When we dismiss here in just a few minutes, it, it, we've made it so easy to take a next step, Okay to walk out those doors. There's a table right there that says next steps and you can go and you can look at all of our groups and you can check out a group. You can check out all of them. You want to sign up for all of them and check them all out and then pick one? Cool. I, I don't know that I'd be able to do that. That's a lot of nights, but check one out, right? Mm -hmm. You know, check one out and get involved in one because if you aren't known by somebody, we drift, I think, you know? Amen, I agree. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to ask Dan if you would just pray for us, and uh, we're going to wrap this up, and we'll sing a little bit more in close, okay? Sure. Thanks, brother. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for this group of brothers and sisters, Lord, that you have called us here for a purpose. I, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would call us to that next step of, of having other people in our lives because life is better when we're together, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would nudge us this morning to, to draw us close to you, to your spirit, and you nudge us to, to take that next step of, of getting a part of a small group, Lord, where we can be poured into by other people and pour into other people with situations that we've gone through or we're going through, and we need, just need a word of encouragement, we need a word, word of prayer, and I just want to thank you again for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. We, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray these things in Jesus' name.